0: Hello, and welcome to the first episode of the Sister Podcast. I'm Casey. I'm the older sister, and I'm 34.
1: And I'm Rory, I'm the younger sister, and I'm 21.
0: So this is our podcast where we just talk about mostly pop culture and literature and all of the things that the two of us bond over despite being at opposite ends of the millennial spectrum.
1: Literally all we talk about (laughs) is pop culture.
0: Yeah, we kind of got the idea for the podcast because we have weekly phone dates, um, sometimes twice weekly, but always weekly. And we also literally text every day. Yeah, like multiple times a day. And one day after we had been on the phone for three hours, two of which were spent discussing Jane the Virgin, we realized that maybe we should just do a podcast because all we do is talk about our favorite shows and our favorite celebrities anyway. And most of our texts, too, don't you think, are like, Did you see what Ariana's all the doing? Time. Did you see what the Kardashians are doing? Did you see this video? <laughs> like,
1: Literally constantly. Did you hear this song? Did you listen to Senorita yet? <laughs> like,
0: all yeah. the time. Have you listened to Mother's Daughter? It's a big mood. <laughs> mm-hmm. So we just thought that, you know, we're not the only ones who love these people. And since uh, most of our conversations are yeah, basically deep dives and analysis of, our favorite media. Anyway, we would just share it with anyone else who might enjoy the same things that we do. Okay, let's talk about what our first season is going to be, or maybe more like the broader idea of the podcast. Okay. Uh, So the first season is going to be five episodes talking about Jane the Virgin. um, And spoiler alert, we are just, the show is, um, what, four episodes, I think. As we record this, there are four episodes left in the entire show. So we're just going to go ahead and discuss. Um, So if you haven't seen the show and you plan to watch it, you should probably like bookmark the podcast and come back to it because we're just going to be kind of talking about the, you know, why we like the show, about the characters, about the character development, uh, plot points we like, Yeah, exactly. We're not holding back at all. Um, So that's going to be the first season is really just going deep into Jane because it's a show that we really bonded over and we really love. Um, But subsequent seasons are going to be about other shows that we really enjoyed and um, movies, you know, books, all of those kinds of things. Basically anything that we would bond over and we think that other people would enjoy and that we've bonded with other people over. We're going to talk about that stuff, too. So stay tuned. Yeah, stay tuned. So, <laughs> cool. Well, without further ado, um do you want to talk about what our first episode is going to be or is right now? Yeah, sure. So,
1: our first episode is basically we're going to be discussing why we love Jane so much and why it really works for us and what we think makes it such a good show and just like keeps coming back to it. It's just one of those ones. I mean, obviously not for everyone, but The majority of people that I've talked to that also watch it are like obsessed with it, like as obsessed as we are and are just so invested. And I think it's, you know, kind of surprising because I feel like it's not the kind of show that on the surface you'd be like, oh, my God, I'm so immersed in this. Like, I'm thinking of all these things like I have these theories, like it seems like it would be a very surface show, or at least that's what I thought. But there's a lot more to Jane than
0: meets the eye. (laughs) Yeah, there really is. That's why I'm excited to talk about it. Not just because we like it so much, but because I think it deserves a lot of praise and it has been getting a lot of praise. Like I was actually really surprised to see um, how many critics appreciate it and have said a lot of great things about it and a lot of great points have been made about it. But I agree that it's one of those shows when you start it, you're just like, oh, this is whatever, you know, like that's kind of why I started watching it because I just wanted something sort of light and easy and then you watch a couple episodes and you're completely hooked and it's your favorite show ever. <laughs> so Seriously, uh,
1: I didn't even want to watch it. I was totally against it. You made me watch it. I remember what, like a year and a half ago, you were like, probably about oh, that. It. Like, it's so good. You're going to love it. Like, it's, oh, it's so you, you're all over it. And I was just like, no, I have no interest. Like it looks stupid. I don't get it like I'm not and I think I watched like half an episode on a plane to come see you when I was coming for spring break or something and even then I was like "Mm, I don't know not feeling it but then once I actually like sat down and was like all right let me let me do this let me give it a fair shot literally within two episodes I was obsessed like I was hooked. (laughs) What was it that got you hooked? I think because it was so like It's light, but it's also very deep. Like, there's a lot of layers to it. And I think that it was just like right off the bat, it was relatable and it was funny. And I was just like, this is even, it's like aesthetically pleasing too to look at. Like, I just, it is. I can definitely get into this. I think I was watching like a lot of like heavy shows at the time, which like obviously I'm into also. But I was just like, all right, this is like a nice break. Like, I'm still emotionally invested. But it's also light. Like, I can have it on and be like, all right, I don't feel awful or feel super, like, sad.
0: And
1: I don't know. Like, it just felt good after. Even if I was sad. Even Like, there are some sad parts to Jane. Let's be real.
0: Oh, yeah. I, I mean, light. who, who yeah. hasn't had a good sob session watching Jane? It's just, yeah, I, I feel the same way. Like, I started watching it, I think, probably, yeah, probably about a year and a half ago. I think pretty soon after I started I really wanted you to watch it. So I really pushed it because I just knew that you would love it. And I started it because for similar reasons, like I, I think I was feeling a lot of anxiety at the time. And I felt like a lot of the media that was out there was just very dark. And while it was interesting and, you know, it was exploring all of like the, uh, you know, the flawed characters and the flawed heroes and kind of playing with, you know, who is, who's really the villain in these different situations. Like You know, sometimes that gets to be a bit much. And I just sort of felt like everything was very dark and ominous and obviously like the state of the world. Everyone is constantly panicked about like the future. And I was like, I really need a break from that. And I need something that I can just watch and sort of tune out. So I put Jane on, and I had remembered reading about it when it first came out, and I thought, what a stupid premise for a show. Um, Just in case anyone's listening who does not know the premise of it, but isn't worried about spoilers, Jane is a virgin, and she has committed to staying a virgin for the rest of her life. Or sorry, until she's married. Until she's married. Yeah, she's a nun. Yeah, Um, that's it. That's all. Yeah, that's the end of the story. she has committed to. maintaining her virginity until she gets married. Uh, she grew up Catholic and her grandmother's very Catholic and basically put the fear of God into her that once you have sex, you can never take it back. And that it's a sin to sleep with anyone who is not your husband. And you know, that's Obviously controversial in this day and age, um, but Jane decided to do that because she wanted to keep that promise to her grandmother. Um, and religion is an important part of her life. Uh, but surprise, surprise, in the first episode, she is accidentally artificially inseminated. Um, her doctor has just gone through a bad breakup and she's not paying attention to what she's doing. And she's supposed to be doing a regular pap smear, and instead she inseminates her and she gets pregnant. Um, so there you have it the and pregnant chaos virgin. Ensues. Yes chaos ensues and she's already engaged uh, or she gets engaged in that episode right it is the first episode
1: it's either the first or the second I think it's the first actually.
0: Yeah, she gets engaged to her longtime boyfriend, who she loves and is really happy with, and they're not planning to have kids for years, um, but this obviously throws a wrench into their plans, and it turns out that the father of the baby is Raphael, who she met five years ago when he was kind of a rich playboy, and she had a big crush on him, but he blew her off, and now he actually owns the hotel where she works, and he is a reformed man, because he had cancer, and he had this life-changing experience, and now he's trying to be a really good guy, and he wants to be a father. So as you can imagine, this is fertile ground for all kinds of literally authentic hijinks. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> literally. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, there's so that's kind of the premise of the show. And I just remember thinking this is really stupid and I can't imagine this being a good show. And then I watched an episode and I thought, okay, it's cheesy, but I kind of like it, or I can kind of see myself liking it. And then yeah, I think by the second or third episode, I was like, Oh, yeah, this is it. (laughs) This is my new show forever. Guilty pleasure.
1: Exactly. I was like, I remember like before I started it, again, just saying like I think this is stupid. I don't see how this can be good. It's just going to be one of those like terrible cheesy shows that are just a waste of my time. But then once I started watching it, it, at first I was like, okay, this is like guilty pleasure. Like I'll just clump this in with like my housewives, <laughs> Like, but yeah, it's definitely, definitely a guilty pleasure, but has way more layers. It was not fair to put that her in that category when I first started watching because within the first season within the first couple episodes you quickly realize that there's definitely a lot more going on than even though like I don't know it's so hard to describe if you haven't watched it because it does seem corny when you're like trying to explain it to somebody especially anyone that I try to get to watch I'm always like it's so good I swear you have to watch it but there is there's just like a lot of elements that makes Jane so good
0: there really are which I we should get into in a minute but I will say I actually don't think that Jane is a guilty pleasure I think initially I thought the same thing that that's what it was going to be but as I watched it I actually think it's a it's a high quality tv show it's not for everyone but I think that the writing is really good I think the acting is great I think that they weave together a lot of different themes really well. Um, It's not a perfect show, and in future episodes, we will discuss that at length. (laughs) But I think overall, it is actually a really great show, and I think it's a lot higher quality than it probably got credit for in the beginning because it does seem just like a goofball sort of sitcom and you don't really know what to make of it and the premise is kind of hokey and when you first meet Jane and her family it's like who are these people it's not that they're not real but they are a little bit corny right so it's at first you're like okay I'm not really sure about this but pretty quickly you realize that um there is a lot of heart there and that there's a lot more like you said there's a lot more going on than meets the eye so I think we should just dive into that and I you know like talk about what what makes the show work. And I think one of the things is definitely the structure of the show. So it's basically, it's essentially a telenovela, which is, you know, basically a soap opera. Uh, It's, you know, very dramatic. And I don't know if anyone listening um, has watched, I haven't watched a lot of telenovelas, but I was huge into soap operas, as you probably remember, Roar, because I feel like I made you watch a lot of them with me when you were little.
1: I remember you and mommy being so invested. I was too little to like understand it, but I do remember soap operas being a huge thing. I remember General Hospital and like, oh yeah, whatever. I remember Sunny. That's about all I have.
0: Yeah. GH. Sonny is an icon. He is a daytime soap icon. He's been on General Hospital. I don't know if since the, probably not since the show started because i it's been on for decades and decades, but he's definitely been on since I was watching it. And I've been watching it since I was like five. So yeah. On all the time. Like I can hear it. right now, (laughs) The theme song, because it's iconic and I will, I will, you know, go to bat for soaps anytime. I always thought that soap operas in general got a bad rap because, you know, they, I mean, they are, they're just soapy. They're dramatic. They're so over the top. Like, because if you think about it, they aired every single day. Um, during the week. So it's like you know how you can't really keep a realistic storyline going that way. So people were constantly breaking up and getting back together and dying and being resurrected and you know, twins were being found out of nowhere. And it's just it's chaos and it's crazy, but it's also like it's all the cast are like very beautiful people and so you kind of can't help but watch them. I don't know I would just get so sucked into them I was like deeply emotionally invested in soap so when I realized I they, they still are, <laughs> yeah, I know I, I, no, I love I do I like go on YouTube and watch old clips of General Hospital and I'm like Ugh. oh my gosh. <laughs> the Brenda Sonny Jacks triangle is like greatest of all time Wow. I love it. So when I realized that, I think that also sucked me in a little bit because I was like, oh cool, like it's the soap. But they also really play with that. I mean, they're pretty open about the fact that it is a telenovela, but they poke fun at it a lot and they have a narrator who sort of like calls out all of the telenovela tropes like we do end up having a uh, someone coming back from the dead and you know a weird twin. twins yeah, yeah the evil twin and the mother who is like constantly sabotaging her daughter and you know all of these all of these weird elements but they kind of work and i think it's because the show is so self-aware about that and they also embrace it it's like they it, it pokes fun at itself But, like, Jane and her mom, Siomara and her mother, or her grandmother, Alba, they all love telenovelas. So there's this, like, sense of, like, yeah, we know what we're doing. We know that sometimes it's a little corny. But we also love this storytelling form. And we're just going to embrace it. And we're not going to, like, pretend that it's not important to us. And that's not what we're doing. So I think that, because I think if it was just, like, a straight thing, it would just seem... I don't know. I feel like it would seem too over the top. Some of the things that happen, you're like, this couldn't happen on a real show. But I think they've given themselves that space to kind of make the more outrageous storylines work when they don't carry them too far, which is what I think they're doing with some of them. But...
1: I agree. And I think that they do it beautifully, to be honest, because I think that if they didn't acknowledge how you know corny it can be and how like on the nose it is like related to a telenovela and how like those certain storylines just don't like, I don't know. I feel like there's so many shows, especially today that are one so serious or even less serious ones, you know, like how everything is so, everyone's so invested in shows and everything has to be perfect. And it has to be like HBO quality for it to be, um... I don't know. What's the
0: word? Like, like to be appreciated.
1: Yeah, pretty much. But I think that on the other end, there's like other cheesy sitcoms that don't do it as well. And, you know, people kind of are like, don't take it seriously. But I think that Jane is like a happy medium to both.
0: Yeah, I agree. I think Jane finds that balance between being sort of sitcom and goofy at times and being purposefully in your face heartwarming without sort of crossing into this territory where it's like this is totally unbelievable and put on. It feels very real and they also deal with a lot of very real life issues and tragedies and they go through traumas together. So I think you do get that sort of realness. It's very grounded, but at the same time they're not afraid to say like we're a family that loves each other and it's you know family is important to us, our religion is important to us. Um I don't know. I think they find a really good balance there. Like you know, we've talked about how Fuller House is a sitcom that trades on its wholesomeness, but it just feels spill so... The tea. <laughs> <laughs> what? I said spill the tea. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, okay, to clarify, you know that I really, really liked the first two seasons of Fuller House. I didn't think that they were exceptional television, but I thought that they captured... It was what you
1: wanted. I
0: agree. Exactly, exactly it's like it captured all of the nostalgia. It was fun to see them again and to be like, oh, they still have sort of that Tanner family, you know, that, that Tanner family energy where everybody hugs and they have the, you know, heartwarming pep talk and everybody loves each other. And it was, it was a nice, refreshing throwback. But then I think You know, you can tell me what you think, but I think that it went on for way too long. I think after the, I think they peaked at the new kids on the block episode and it was all downhill from there. I do. I love that episode. I feel like it's so fun. And when you see the girls dancing with them, I just believe that that was like, they got to live a dream from their own adolescence because their faces are so happy. I love it. No, I do too. I feel like there was nowhere that they could really go from there. (laughs) Yeah,
1: no, I think that it went on for too long, and then it got stupid. Then it's like, I'm not interested in it anymore. It's not fun for me to watch anymore, because it's just the same, like, stupid antics that worked in the original, but not anymore.
0: Yeah, it's not really appropriate for our current times. Whereas I do think that Jane is, bringing it back around, because I know we're not supposed to be talking about Fuller House.
1: Bring it back (laughs) in.
0: Yeah. Okay. So let's talk about some of the specifics about like what makes Jane real. I think we should talk about some of the storylines, but also I think about the acting. So what do you want to dive into first?
1: I want to dive into why I love Jane so much. And
0: okay, good.
1: Okay. So (laughs) I love Jane because she is so relatable, and I like that she. I mean, I'm not saying that there's not, like, other relatable characters out there. Obviously, there are. But I think that Jane just, like, you can really connect to her because she is so real. Like, her struggles aren't, like, oh, I can kind of relate in, like, a certain way, but, like, not really. You know what I mean? Like, Jane, you can completely relate to. She, in the beginning of the series, she's around the age that I am now. I think she's supposed to be 22 and 21. Yeah, I think so. (laughs) So, you know, when she's struggling with her writing and throughout the series, when she's struggling with her writing and her career and, you know, major life decisions, I think that it does it like the writing does it in a real way, especially when later on, spoiler alert, when um, Jane isn't having like huge success in her Writing career, and she has to make these decisions like, do I continue to do this? Do I not? This is my passion, this is what I love, but I'm really not succeeding at it. And I think that, you know, that's just one of the aspects of Jane that, you know, many people can relate to. I know that I can. I know, Casey, you know, all about this how, you know, career choices and majors and all of that, you know, is hard. And I think that it's important, you know, to be able to look at a character and be like, yeah, I completely understand what she's going through and it's like refreshing to not just have everything like written and like tied together with a nice bow you know what I mean because I'm just thinking like of other shows specifically no shade one tree hill one of my favorites ever however when like they do the four years later and everybody has like their dream job and is super successful like every single person it's just not realistic you know what I mean and I yeah I think that Jane is realistic through and through and she is always true to herself. And I like that. She is a genuinely nice person. I know I can go on about Jane forever, but like, she's just a genuinely nice person. Like from the first episode, it's never like you feel like it's fake or, Oh, she's nice, but like low key she's a bitch. Like it's not at all. And I love that about her. And I just think that Jane's an important character in today's world. (laughs)
0: No, I totally agree. I really think that Jane is an amazing character because I think she's aspirational in a very attainable way. Like, I don't even know if aspirational is the right word. It's just that I think she's a really good role model, no matter how old you are, no matter where you are in your life, because she always strives to do the right thing for herself and for other people. And I think you see that sort of struggle, even right from the beginning when she, um, when she finds out that she's pregnant and she's trying to decide what to do and her family is giving her advice and she had her fiancé saying that he didn't want her to have the baby and then she has the baby's biological father who she once had a crush on saying that he wants the baby. There's so much going on and you really see her trying to do what's right by everyone else, but I feel like she always has this moral compass where she's saying, but what is right for this baby? What's right for me? You just like she's very much committed to doing the right thing, even if it's not the most comfortable thing for her. And she does ultimately, I mean, obviously decide to keep the baby if you've ever seen a, you know, from season two on (laughs) a poster for the show, you know, she keeps the baby. Um, But I think like even in that she's constantly thinking, like trying to drown out the noise of everyone else. And as you go on throughout the show, sometimes she like falters, I would say sometimes she's more selfish than others. But I think she always comes back to that. And that's really, really refreshing to see someone to see a character, especially in like today's media culture, who's saying, like, yes, I want to take care of myself. Yes, I want to stand up for myself. But like, that's not the only thing I'm guided by. It's not just about like, screw everybody else's opinions. It's about like, what does my moral compass tell me is the right thing to do, and I really admire that about her, and I always have. No, me too. I just
1: think that Jane's the best. I mean, like you said, she does falter, and I also I think that that adds to the appeal too, because you know, at the end of the day, it is a TV show, and you're always going to have moments where you disagree with a character. You're like, why are you doing that? And you like when you get emotionally invested, it happens. But even when- And I have gotten
0: mad at Jane many times, especially in season five. I will just say there have been many episodes where I was like, what is happening with Jane? Like, she's really, really bothering me. She's making stupid choices. She's being more selfish than usual and ignoring, like not even just selfish, but that she was completely blinded to other people's experiences, which is not a very Jane thing. I don't want to say too much about season five because I want to see the finale first.
1: Right. But, like, even in the moments when I was mad at her and me and you had heated texts and Instagram messages sending, like, uh, posts back and forth about season five. And there was why a lot of caps
0: and a lot of angry emojis.
1: A lot. But it was, even though we disagreed with what Jane was doing or, with like, whatever was happening on the show, I think that, again, it just, like, adds to her realness does that make sense because I feel like in life you don't agree with people I don't agree with you you know what I mean so yeah
0: no it definitely does because I think that if she was made to be perfect and she always made the right decision and she was always selfless and she always kept everyone happy she would not be believable and I think you'd end up hating her because be, she All you can only take Jane so far You know, season one and season two, Jane is so committed to, you know, being good and doing the right thing. And she's sort of perfect in that way where you're just like, wow, I really want to be like Jane. I think if we had five seasons of that, it would just be annoying because it's like, okay, who can believe that this person is flawless? And I think the people around her are so often shown to be flawed that it just wouldn't even go. Like, you know, her mother, Siamara, messes up a lot, especially in the earlier seasons when she's still kind of trying to find her way and she's going out and meeting all these men and she just feels very lost. And, you know, she makes bad decisions that bother Jane. So it, it, it wouldn't make sense to be like, oh, here's St. Jane and everyone around her is making selfish, impulsive decisions and they're getting upset and they're acting out. And yet Jane never does. I feel like the show just couldn't you couldn't sustain a good show that way
1: definitely not I mean I know that I would get tired of it I'd be like all right I related to her and she was cool and like whatever but not anymore I mean like anything you can only take so much because like you want to be Jane's friend you know what I mean like you do want to be Jane's friend yeah but after a while who wants to be friends with like you said Saint Jane
0: Yeah, nobody does because it's not fun and you don't want someone who you kind of are always expecting to judge you or to be like, well, she can't relate to me because she's never done anything wrong. Like no one's ever been mad at her because she's always perfect. So I think that they do a really good job with that. And I think that goes to uh, one of the things that makes the show so good, which is the character development. Because if you look not just at Jane, but at Raphael, at Michael, at Petra, I mean, these are people who made some really poor decisions. I mean, Michael lied constantly in the first few episodes because he was so afraid that Jane would keep the baby that she'd end up being with Raphael, which he pretty much drove her into Raphael's arms. Right. but he made all of these fear-based decisions, and he lied to her, and he broke her trust. And Petra, I mean, for seasons and seasons, oh was God, just, like, Petra. incredibly Petra. selfish, <laughs> incredibly manipulative. And yet, as time went on, you know, there was a period where I was like, oh, Petra, God, I'm so sick of her. But then you start to learn more about her, and you see her really trying to be a better person. She learns, for, she sees Jane, and she sees the way that people respond to her, and she wants that. And then, you know, she has her own twins who... She lies to get them, steals Raphael's sperm, and impregnates herself with a turkey baster. So there you go again with a totally unbelievable telenovela trope. Um, But, you know, like you see her when she becomes a mother, she really cares about her kids. And then when she is in a relationship with JR, like she learns from the people around her. And you see her becoming such a strong, admirable person who... You, know, She strives to be better all the time and it's like if you compared episode one Petra to episode 96 which I just watched yesterday she has come so far and I think the show has done that with everyone even Rogelio he was just a buffoon for like the first few episodes.
1: He's still low key is but now it's heartwarming.
0: Yeah, it is. And he's also been making choices where he's kind of stepping back and realizing he needs to pay more attention to other people's feelings. And you see that side of him where his family is more important. Like when Zoe went in for when she started her breast cancer treatments and he pushed back production on his dream show and he didn't even tell anyone that he did it. He just did it because she was clearly so much more important to him. And it's like, would he have done that in season one? I don't think so. I think it really like being part of the family. So? I don't think, no, season one, like, I think he would have been there for her, but I think he still would have prioritized his career. He wouldn't have said, I'll jeopardize my show to be next to my wife.
1: That's true. I just think that, like, right now as we're talking, I'm thinking of, like, Petra and Rogelio, both of their character development, because obviously I think that I would go out on a limb and say that they are the most evolved characters. I think Petra is absolutely number one. And... But I feel like Rogelios has been coming for like longer than Petra's, if that makes sense. like I think that once he meets Jane and they start their relationship, I think that even though he is still very self-centered and does stupid things and makes poor choices, I think that you see that little seed of who he is now way earlier than we do with Petra. Because I think for so long, Petra you know, was made to be a little bit evil and, like, you were supposed to hate her and she did nasty things. You know what I mean? Like, I think that her... Yeah. ...kind of came later. And that's not to say it wasn't... It was, like, it felt rushed or, like... Like, it wouldn't be realistic. But I just think that Rogelio's has been worked on longer.
0: Yeah, I think that's fair. I think you see... I don't think Rogelio is ever a bad person I think he's selfish and I think he's inconsiderate but I don't think he's ever a bad person whereas Petra from pretty early on I mean she was from episode one his, it's clearly the
1: yeah she was
0: the, she was the villain I mean she was manipulative to wrath she you know try I mean with the twins when she got pregnant that wasn't the first time she attempted that she was the one who was supposed to be inseminated with yeah with the baby in the first episode, but Raph's sister, Louisa was the doctor and she was a mess and made that fateful mistake. So yeah, I think Petra for so long and then she's, you know, trying to con Raph out of the hotel and she's sleeping with his best friend.
1: Multiple times.
0: Yes. Multiple times. Yeah. So she's like, she had seasons of pretty bad behavior. So I agree. I think Rogelio, like he acted kind of buffoonish and like just, I don't know. He was just so pompous in the beginning that it was like, I don't know how they can sustain this character, but you definitely see early on that he really wants his relationship with Jane, that he does care about Ciamara, and he's a better person than you give him credit for in the first few episodes.
1: Absolutely. I agree.
0: Yeah. I think that's one of the things that's been fun to watch about the show is to see people mature.
1: Wrath is the best character on the show.
0: Is he? I
1: don't
0: what know. A, I don't know. We may have to debate that. Terrible, he's great. For sure. But for me. He's great. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. He is great. I love Raph. If I, do I think he's the best character in the show? I'm not sure. Who would but I love? think, I don't know. I'm trying to think who I would actually say because I, I think that there, are, well, there's a case to be made for Zoe, so right. stay tuned, everyone. Episode three is going to be whole breakdown of zoe and wrath because we think that they are the unsung heroes of the show and that they're really unappreciated which i think that they are because everyone else is like yeah everyone else is has bigger personality and more dramatic storylines but i think that the two of them are the ones who go through the realist problems and i think that they are people who started out as being much more selfish even before you know the show started, you get this sense that they had, they were just, they were selfish and they were really primarily concerned with themselves. I mean, Zoe less than Raf because she obviously cared about Jane. But I think in terms of people who grow into being really good people, they're definitely the best. But I think everyone has a little bit of that. Even Alba, you know, Jane's grandmother who kind of starts out as holier than thou, which she still is five seasons later, but she has mellowed a lot. And I think she's been humbled by her encounters with her family and with the pushback that they've given and things she's been through in her life. Right. But I do think that we should touch on the, like, speaking of Alba, that the way that they handle some of the, um, the real life themes. And I think one of the big storylines was her being afraid of being deported and getting her citizenship, because that was one of those things where I really thought that, I think the nice thing about Jane is that regardless of your political position, you could watch this show and just fall in love with this family. And I think because of that, for people who, whatever people may feel about immigration, um, I think they really humanized the issue of undocumented immigrants and, you know, the question of becoming an American citizen. I really think that the show did that in a way where... You, I I don't know. I think anyone would kind of like feel for them in this storyline. And I think it humanized that issue really nicely without like shoving it down your throat or being like, here's our message. So I think it was something that you could watch and not feel alienated by, but it would make you think differently about that.
1: Right. I agree. I've said that to you before in one of our many past conversations that I liked one of the things that I really loved about the show is that not even just the immigration thing, like there's, Many different things that they touch on that are really on like the social pulse of today. That I don't like if I feel like a show is shoving something down my throat. I'm not going to watch it, regardless of what side I'm on or what. Side Even side if I agree on, with
0: the perspective, I'm, I'm like still, I exactly yeah.
1: like I still don't need. If I'm watching a show, I'm watch. I'm doing it on my own time. Like this is my relaxing. You know what I mean. And I don't want you know things show down my throat but with Jane it never felt like that like sometimes yes it's very like on the money like of what is happening in you know today's world and the social and political climate of today but it was never done in like a this is what we want you to think way this is clearly like clearly you got their view but it wasn't like you need to agree with us it was more of just like this is what happens like this is how we feel this is what happens to our family you know what I mean like it was more of like I'm I'm still in I'm still immersed in the story so it doesn't feel like propaganda yeah it
0: felt like the storylines were very organic to their family circumstances so it was sort of portraying like this is what people who you know live like the Villanueva's experience, but it it didn't feel like, oh, we have to write, th-. I don't know what the writers were thinking when they wrote it, but it didn't feel like they thought we have to work this in. It seemed like here's an opportunity to tell a story. And I think another example of that is when Jane and Raphael are trying to decide where to send Mateo to school. And based right. on where Jane lives, he would have to go to, you know, a lower quality school. And obviously education is something that's very important to her. And she's really worried about his future.
1: And I think that really
0: illustrates the struggle for a lot of parents that who, you know, don't have the means to send their kids to a private school or, you know, I think they talk about potentially lying to say, like, you know, this is where we live so he can go to a better school. And she really lie. struggles with that. Do they lie? They end up they lying. Do. Yeah, they do. But even... no, doesn't um doesn't Raphael get a, an apartment so that they don't have to lie? Because Jane didn't want to teach Mateo to lie to get ahead.
1: Yeah, but they definitely lied for a little bit because they were using uh, Zoe and Rogelio's address. That's I right. It. And yeah, the kids came over for a play date, and they had to like rush around, and the parents knew and everything.
0: Yes, that's right. I forgot about that. Yeah, so it was like you see them struggling with that decision, and with Jane being like, you know, do I teach my son to lie? Do I, what, like, do I think about the example I'm setting for him or I do I make sure that he has the best education possible? And then, you know, there's also the whole question of private schools and, you know, like how much, because Raphael grew up extremely privileged. He was incredibly wealthy and Jane doesn't want Mateo to feel like he is growing up in a way where he's entitled to things and he's better than other people. So I think that's just a very real thing that a lot of families have to deal with. But again, it it felt completely organic to the story I mean that's one of the things that comes between Jane and Raph a little bit in the beginning is that she comes very much from a working class family and he has grown up like a prince and it's like they kind of miss each other a little bit in the beginning I think because of that yeah
1: it's also part of Raph's evolution because you know you see him go from being rich and not understanding these struggles to losing everything and now he's like starting to understand how Jane grew up and what why these things are important to her.
0: Yeah, exactly. And I think that's important for him. I think it's really humbling and I think it's yeah, I think it's a really important part of his journey to to kind of have to be brought down to a level where he does have to work a lot more and things are not guaranteed to him. And it's hard to see him in those situations. I'm sure we'll talk about that in that episode, but I think it also I think it's good for him. And I think it actually is part of what allows them to be together later on because he has sort of been able to walk a mile in Jane's shoes, you know? Right. We're coming up on the 45-minute mark, so we should probably wrap it up. But I think that the one point that we have to address in terms of realness about the show is Michael's death because that was such a huge... That was the bombshell, yeah, that... Um, cause I was thinking about that and I was, I had read some interviews with the, you know, the show's, um, creator and why they decided to do that. And because it happens in the middle of a season, it's like, everything is going great. You know, everyone is happy. Everyone's friends. It's like after these two seasons of turmoil, Michael and Raffer are in a good place. Jane and Michael are in a great, great place. And then he dies and it's so shocking and so traumatizing. But I think, it really added to that sense of, like, Jane is is not, like, nobody, no matter how good you are, is guaranteed a perfect life, and here she was thinking that she had married the love of her life, which she did, and then he died, you know, like, they were young, they were planning this whole new chapter, they were even talking about having kids, and he dies, and she has to learn how to not just be a single mother, but how to be a widow, and what does that mean for her, and, you know, like how does she move on and how does she take care of Mateo and like be a person in the world when she's suffering so much. So I thought like, I thought it was actually a really bold move. I mean, I was so upset when Michael died. I bawled my eyes out, but yeah, totally devastating
1: at the end of that episode that I lost it.
0: Oh my God. That's like, (sighs) I, I can't take her crying face. Like, there are some actresses who, like, when they cry, I cry. And Allison Hannigan is one of them. And Gina Rodriguez is another. Like, when she cries, no matter... Even when she's happy. Even when Jane is happy crying, yes, I start crying.
1: I happy cry.
0: <laughs> I'm just, like, oh, her face. The way that it crumbles is just, like... But when she screams and starts sobbing when she gets that phone call. And then you see Raf come in. Um, and she's, like, on the floor. It's just... It's completely heartbreaking.
1: It is heartbreaking because you can imagine it. We're Like, I've never experienced that, thank God. And, like, I'm sure not every viewer has, you know what I mean? But, like, when you see it, you're like, I don't know why, but I, like, really relate to this. Like, because I think everybody knows the loss of, you know, someone who's close to them. Maybe not in the capacity that Jane and Michael were, but... The whole thing, it's just, it's good television. (laughs) Like, it's good writing, it's good acting. Because let me tell you, I had to take a break from Jane after that. In the middle of a season, I had to like take a week off and be like, I can't, I need to process this. I need to, I felt like I lost a friend. (laughs)
0: You know, I think anyone can even imagine that, like being in a relationship and thinking like, how would I feel if I ever got that call? And like that alone is just it's heartbreaking to think about, let alone to watch it. And I think the other thing is that we had been on that journey with Jane and Michael. We saw them go through their breakup, you know, which was basically instigated by the baby and her feelings for Raph and him lying. And then we, you know, in the first season it's like I don't know if I like Michael. He kind of seems like a jerk. And then the more that you get to know him and he and Jane get back together, by the time they got married, I was like so on board. I loved Michael. Absolutely loved him. I feel like everyone had come along and been like, yes, we've seen them go through so much. So happy that they finally got their happy ending. And then he dies. So it's like absolutely devastating to the audience who has been there and been part of their story up to that.
1: Right. I mean, Michael is very conflicting for me, (laughs) but I do agree that when they got married and, you know, you get invested in their relationship and she commits to Michael, so I committed to Michael. I was like, okay, I'm here for it. I like them together. And yeah, that is definitely part of why it was so heartbreaking because with any show, with any movie, whatever, you get invested in like the romantic couple, or at least I do. I'm hopeless romantic over here.
0: Oh yeah, absolutely. And I I remember actually in the first couple of seasons, I remember texting you and being, I was a few episodes behind you because once you started, you like blew past me. And I remember texting you and saying, okay, I'm always team Raph, but I'm kind of coming around on Michael. I'm a little conflicted. And you were like, just wait, just wait and see Mm -hmm. what you think about Michael in a few episodes. And I just was like, Right. I was right there. I was like, yes, 100%. And there's so much about her relationship. And we'll talk about this when we do our Raph and Michael episode, because I think that that deserves discussion, like their relationships. But I think for who Jane was at the time, Michael really was the better person for her. And so to see her lose him like that was awful. But I read that the reason that they did it the way that they did it in the middle of the season was because they felt that it was more realistic, that, you know, it's things don't just happen neatly at the end of the season when you're ready for them to. It, like, some people die right in the middle of your life, and it's awful and traumatizing. So they really wanted to kind of put Jane through that to be like, yeah, this is a, this is a real show. It's a telenovela, but it's a real show. And you have to see Jane go through that. Oh, I didn't know that's why they did that. That's interesting. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's what I read. And I thought that that was a really smart choice. And it's a more, I think it's a bolder choice than doing it at the end of the season. Because at the end of the season, people would have thought, oh, this is a cliffhanger. Michael's going to come back. Right. You know, he he can't possibly be dead. But doing it in the middle of the season is like, you know, are people going to come back for this? And after they realize that it's real, because the next episode skips ahead several years. So when people start that next episode and they're furious that Michael is dead, i I think they probably risked losing viewers because of that. So I think it was a a respectable writing choice
1: absolutely. I mean, I know people who have said to me, like I'm trying to talk to them about Jane and have this whole conversation. And they're like, "I stopped watching after Michael died. And I'm sh- like, I can't believe that's that. a mistake. Absolutely. Oh, I tell them that all the time. Like, no, you need to keep going. Like, it's so good. But I don't know. I couldn't do that because I get too invested. I'd be like, nope, got to keep going. But I do think that it was absolutely a bold choice. And I mean that, like any telenovela, it's never, it's never over till it's over. But Yeah,
0: exactly. Yeah, you have to keep watching because it's like, so much happens after that. And Michael Lovers will be pleasantly surprised by what (laughs) happens at the end of season four. And then not. Yeah, and then not. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so, well, we'll go into all of that. I mean, we're giving spoilers anyway, but.
1: You gotta just stay tuned. I think we have you guys on the hook. If you've watched it before, I hope we do. I hope we've inspired you to at least give it a shot. Yeah, give it a shot. That's all I ask. That's all I ask of anybody. And And everyone I know who is... And you'll be into it.
0: Yeah, anyone who I've recommended it to has at least watched a couple of seasons. And then I know a couple of people who had misgivings about things that happened, so they stopped watching it. But just a couple of success stories. We told our sister-in-law and our cousin to watch it, and they both totally binged it and finished it and like, were texting us how they were sobbing and how much they loved it. So... Keep that in mind.
1: We wouldn't steer you in the wrong direction.
0: Definitely not. It's Yeah, I, I, I agree. If you watch two episodes and you hate it, then you're probably not going to get into it because the format and the feel and the aesthetic is probably just not for you. But if you watch two episodes and you're kind of hooked, watch the first season because it is cute and it's very wholesome. And no matter what happens, no matter how dark it gets, there's always this undercurrent of love and just a sense of like i don't know just you never feel to...
1: down after watching after like no, you energy, don't even if it's sad even if you're like oh my god i can't believe that's happening there's still always something that you're like okay i understand why or like there's always a heartwarming moment most yeah, of the time sure. it's on the porch swing <laughs> but you just yes. it's it's good you just have
0: to commit if you're going to do it Yeah, so watch Jane and also stay tuned for our next episode. I can't wait to
1: talk more about Jane. I know, me too. I feel
0: like like there's just always so much to say and so much good stuff to discuss. I think we've said a lot
1: and I hope that people who have watched Jane agree or disagree, whatever. Let
0: Let us us know, know, get in touch. You can reach out to us on Instagram. We're at the sister podcast.
1: And, and
0: yeah, it's been real and we'll put in the show notes, um, you know, other ways to get in touch with us. If you guys have any feedback or anything about Jane that you'd like us to discuss or any ideas for future seasons, things that you guys have enjoyed that you think we might be interested in reading or watching or listening to, we're down, we're open. Yeah, we're definitely both open to anything,
1: so I'm really excited to, you know, keep going with this, to see where the sister podcast goes. Yeah, this was fun. We have some exciting things in store for the rest of the season, so.
0: Yes, we do. We do. Lots more Jane gushing, and we don't, we still don't know how it's going to end. We still, the last episode airs end of July, and this is currently, it's today, July 12th, so. We still have a few weeks to go, which is why I don't want to say too much about season five, because you just, you don't know how it's all going to wrap up. But, yeah, much to discuss. Absolutely. Okay, cool.
1: Follow us at The Sister Podcast.
0: All right, great. And we will, you'll hear from us on the next episode. All right. All right, bye. Bye.